and gentlemen, welcome to Eat, Sleep, Suplex Retweet. Hello everybody, welcome back to ESSR Central. This is the assistant host, Scott McLeod here. You know, leading the way uh, for this big preview ahead of a big weekend in wrestling because your usual host, Ross McLeod, has once again buggered off. Not to Cardiff to see Clash of Gaza, not to Chicago to see All Out, not to wherever World's Clyde's being held. He's buggered off to Turkey to, you know, Try and get whatever the equivalent of a Scottish person tan actually is. So he's buggered up once again, neglecting his responsibilities. And I, the assistant host, have once again had to step up to the plate and, you know, right the ship, as it were. And joining me is a man who will be going to one of these shows that we're going to talk about in a little bit. He is the assistant to the assistant host for this week. He is David Hockney. So does that make me the, the Coco host, as it were? If you want, you know. Yeah. Uh, but no, yeah, you're right enough. I've just uh, started packing my bag for Cardiff. It's gonna be uh gonna be a blast, especially when you know we'll have a lot of pod representation there. And I kid you not, I've just uh, opened my Instagram feed and I see Damien Priest is being welcomed in by a Welsh family and he's chasing sheep around a farm. Like, <laughs> I mean, what a way to kick things off. I haven't seen the video that's that's on about, but. I've seen the image of him standing with his family. As I said to you before we start recording, it's like a family with, you know, that one member who's going through a golf face still in his fucking thirties. <laughs> I think he's like in his forties now, priest. Like I don't think he's that old. No, no, he apparently is like at least late thirties. Well, that's why I said thirties. Anyway, mm-hmm. the Hold, Hold that thought. I'll uh, I'll Wikipedia it just to be sure. Oh, fantastic! This is definitely where I thought. Yeah, this. as you were, you're the you're the you're the assistant host here. <laughs> anyway, you're not making much of an assistant to the assistant, but we have this is a central. You can find better shows with better openings than this. Mm-hmm. Like last episodes of ESR Central, our feature shows which come out on a weekly basis usually. Uh, central is usually a Thursday, and Saturday Night Live on a Saturday. East meets West, our occasional shows and. You can find that wherever you get your podcasts on Anchor, Spotify, iTunes, Google Podcast, Podbean, take your pick. Wherever you get your podcasts, we are there. Please give us a like, rating, or review on your chosen platform. And you can find us and keep up to date with people going down to Cardiff or our show schedule on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, at Superhead. Join the Facebook community page. You can get involved in the conversation, join our listeners league on the draft and get abused verbally by us. And you know, we have our YouTube channel where YouTube content used to go out there, but stay tuned because there may be a future installment of Quiz Showdown that makes its grand return to the YouTube channel in the next couple of months. More about that later too. David, have you found this also important piece of info that you think <laughs> yep. you had to share? He turns 40 years old on the 26th of September, so it's nearly his birthday. Well, see, well, so then technically I was right when I said he's in his 30s. Yeah, 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 yeah. Logistics and whatnot. Anyway. I've got it's quite a lot of news to talk about because we're recording this on a Wednesday, you're hearing on a Thursday, but we recorded on the Monday of last week because Ross said he'd squeeze out on Central before he buggered off on his holiday. So we've had like eight or nine days separating the last two episodes. So 
a fair bit has happened, especially in terms of leading up to these shows. New matches have been added that we're going to talk about. And there's some major stories that do tie into to the matches themselves. So we'll maybe save some stories that you think we should be talking about now to later on when we're talking about those involved in the matches they're involved in at the weekend. But we've got some other points to get through first. And I'll just start off with this because I don't want to talk about them any longer than I need to. Vince Russo's chatting bollocks again because that's the <laughs> default setting. In other news, water is wet. And the sky is blue sometimes. And the White Strap Intercontinental Championship is the best-looking uh, championship in all of wrestling. I mean, you'd think that'd be an obvious statement, but there are certain people even within our own podcast who wrongly don't think so. That's uh, uh, a shame, isn't it? But Russo, on his YouTube channel, claims that he'd been holding on to a little secret. I don't have the exact quote here because I'm not prepared to say bro that many times in a short space of time. And plus, I'll be tempted to do my Vince Russo impression, which the longer it goes on, turns into Mayor Quimby from The Simpsons. <laughs> uh, basically, he said, oh, I've been holding on to this secret for a little while, basically since before WrestleMania in 2020, up until just before this past year's WrestleMania, Russo claimed that he was a consultant for the USA Network and giving advice and giving his opinion creatively for you know Monday Night Raw. And I know the pandemic was a rough time for Monday Night Raw, even when fans came back, Raw was still... That were up until recently when Triple H took over, but you know I still don't think it was bad enough to even suggest that maybe Vince Russo had a hand in it, and maybe we'll later find out that maybe this is accurate. But I don't know, Dave. Like Vince Russo talks so much bollocks over the years that immediately when he says anything, even the most plausible thing, even if he said that water was wet, I still wouldn't believe him. <laughs> you know what? It wouldn't surprise me if he just said all that and then he just went swerve, bro. Like, uh, I mean, yeah, Vince Russo is not the most reliable person I don't think you can really uh, count on. And, you know, you should probably just take whatever he says with a pinch of salt. But this this news that he's apparently been working as a consultant uh, for WWE and on the TV front, I mean, it's not like he's not experienced in that area because he's done it with WCW for, for years. But it's, I think it just finds me... Finds it hard to finds it, a part of me finds it hard to believe that you know somebody who's very much so who someone who really loves the spotlight that much sort of kept quiet about it for so long. Surely someone would have clocked onto it at some point. Yeah, I mean, I'm I don't know how this couldn't how the news of his involvement even on the USA side things if it was USA's idea to get him involved. I still don't think WWE got on board with it, and I still don't think it would have. It wouldn't have got out at some point over the last two years. And I don't even think the WWE would go along with him coming back because, obviously, he, the way he left in 99 was WWF at the time went over to the UK for rebellion that year. And while they were away, he snuck off alongside it for our Sandy's contract to work for WCW. Vince came back for Raw and got told, oh, yeah, your head is not going to be there. Why? He signed for the competition. And God's then, sake. And then he came back, apparently, in 2002. So he was welcome back in, got fired after three weeks because he suggested doing Invasion 2.0 with the then WWE version of the NWO and Eric Bischoff and those kind of people. So then got shown the door again. So you know, he's one of those relationships. You know, they say never say never alone. People have done worse events than WWE and been welcome back in. But I've, I'm I'm 99.9% confident they say that Vince Russo would never be welcome back into the fold in NSA. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I wouldn't. I mean, if it was me working there, I wouldn't want Russo to be associated with the product. Yeah, I mean, 
I can see why it might be a case of someone from USA's idea was to, you know, get Russo involved because maybe the case of you, you never know these people working on TV who work with their reels so they know how much money they can make from them, but you don't know how much they know about wrestling and his, his history. So, yeah, that's, Vegas, kind of, that's kind of why it felt like, um, you know, you've got um, script writers for WB trying to come up with storylines, but how, do, how it relates to the wrestling product itself, it just doesn't make any sense. I think that's why some of their weekly shows have been trash for, for a long time. Even if, like, somebody from USA found out that he was, like, involved during a really hot period for the WWF, or WWE, because I keep saying WWF when I've talked to them, because it was WWF when he was involved, but, like, you know, if they knew he was involved during that hot period, during the 98, 99, and thought, oh, we'll get him back in, maybe he'll, you know, some of that magic will wear off here in, in modern times, like, like, I still wouldn't, don't think WWE would have went for it, because he's not evolved since then. And some people, in some sense, would say WWE hasn't evolved that much, but they've evolved a lot more than bloody Vince Russo. And I think, especially given you know current you know state of WWE and how well things are going with Triple H in charge, I'm even more thankful that we don't have him involved. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think you know Triple H taking over at the minute is. I mean, I've not had much say on it, uh, given that I've not been as heavily involved in feature shows or central lately. But all I can say it now is, I'm so glad it's finally happening. Because the product just generally feels so much better, so much more natural. And watching some of the promos from SmackDown last week uh, and on Raw the past couple of weeks, it just seems like they're finally hitting all the right notes and it all occurred after Triple H took over. Yeah, definitely. And keeping on that train with USA, especially like Raw, the quality of that has been noticeable. Like it's night and day compared to what it was even a month or so ago. Mm-hmm. And Recent reports, according to Fable was like, you know, initially uh, investors and people within like the TV network were warned that a, a change or a dip in quality may occur when Triple H in the mid between Ben's leave and Triple H taking over because it would be such a transitional period. Some things would have to be dropped, some things would have to change, and you know they're just you know trying new ideas of doing it. But uh, although the initial Triple H Raw did do 2.2 million viewers on USA, the highest figure that Raw had, had in over two years. And was, according to the Fightful Slight report, USA are very happy with it. Even saying that they spoke to someone within USA and saying that, you know, these are the kind of numbers we you know expected when we signed on this new deal with Raw. Obviously, the pandemic affected that greatly in terms of how many people were watching. But we couldn't see a world where, you know, it wasn't it wasn't below. We couldn't see a world where Raw was getting less than two million, but. It feels they say that it feels like Raw is a point of viewing and feels more natural. Even they're noticing the change in the product, and so it seems like USA uh, are very happy with how Triple H is running things. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's very much black and gold NXT style of booking. You know, it's grounded, uh, a little bit of realism and a little bit of complexity, just for something that appeals to everybody. You know, less is more. Keep it simple, but don't be afraid to be a bit edgy with it so it appeals to the the more adult audience. Mm-hmm. And also the report says that they are optimistic that this will become the new average, like hopefully it won't drop you know, to mm-hmm. the that we saw during the pandemic. And, you know, you got to think, I think it's in something either next year or the following year, because I believe it was in 2019 they signed five-year deals with both Fox and USA for shitloads of money mm-hmm. at the time, and everyone was talking about how much money they are making between those deals and the Saudi deals, and why it made the budget cuts things over 2020 and 2021 for the releases even more baffling. But I think it's a case of this 
this keeps up a cross run to an extent SmackDown because SmackDown's had some noticeable changes as well that I believe that USA and Fox will be more inclined to pay even more money when the TV deals have to be renewed. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, I've not been paying much attention to like the the TV deals specifically. I was just sort of more focusing on the the product and the views it generates. But we've had this conversation before about you know most people are transitioning to resorting to social media outlets to get their updates on the story. There's much more. There's a much more digital age of viewing TV through streaming services like YouTube highlights uh, or even just pre-recording and saving for later because you know people have got to work sometimes. And it's, I suppose it's good to see the ratings go up again, but you have to take it with a pinch of salt and that the audience might actually be more invested than the TV numbers suggest. Yeah, I think if every week you see more and more of Triple H's kind of involvement in his hand, kind of, Stephen out of the product, there is some bit of NXT Black and Gold, you said, getting involved in the product and like more signs of how you used to book things back then, creeping into how things are being booked on Raw and SmackDown. To the extent of like people from the black and gold year, like Jaffa and Baszler, getting significant, you know, TV time and significant matches, and we also see more and more returning faces from the black and gold era, including just recently with the shot, no build, no advertisements, just Raw comes back from commercial, and who comes out? Johnny Gargano. It was this was uh, last week's Raw, the same, the same Monday being Ross recorded. Central, and then he wasn't on the following exactly. He just did a digital exclusive where he and Theory had another confrontation. But yeah, after so much uncertainty when he said to let his contract expire, go have his, his kids and you know spend more time at home, and the uncertainty about where Johnny Ryan was eventually going to end up, Johnny Wrestling has returned, and now he's on the main roster where some people would have worried for him, but now you know he's he's adopted dad Triple H is running the show. Mm-hmm. And his adopted son, Austin Theory, is running about like a maniac with the Money in the Bank briefcase all up his own arse. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And meanwhile, his, and meanwhile, his adopted daughter, uh, Indy Hartwell's uh, husband, has just been arrested and is still lurking around. I'm just waiting for the reunion between Indy Hartwell and uh, and Jerry Grant. Like, see, I told you he was a wrong one. I tried to watch. <laughs> <laughs> oh no no he wasn't a wrong it was because uh, remember they reunited on NXT last week aye but then he's out fucking kidnapping folk and everything getting his cell arrested oh that's typical Dexter for you though <laughs> you know he takes you away in his van probably uh, doesn't even offer you candy to get in the van either but that's the kind of vibe he, he, he gives off Jesus fucking Christ <laughs> anyway don't forget remember he did carry around an axe as well like typical Axe murdering kidnapper. Aye, Stanislaw, that's just Dexter, you know. Aye, <laughs> classic Dexter. Then again, I did I did rewatch the Index Wedding uh, just yesterday, actually, and it still gets me like how much how much the audience was in, invested in that. <laughs> it was great. It deserved to be main event that episode of NXT. I don't care what anyone says. Yeah. So Johnny makes his return. It took a bit of a delayed pop because I think. There were some people who may not have watched them in NXT. I think the only exposure some main roster the only fans may have had is like that brief two weeks where he and Champa came up together when they were North American NXT champions, even though they're about to restart their feuds before Champa got injured. And then, so there was a bit of a delay pop, but as soon as he started his promo, there was a you know, substantial Johnny wrestling chant. There was even a baby wrestling chant when he talked about his kid and mm-hmm. talked about growing up a WWE fan and 
you know, the goals that he hadn't accomplished. Yeah, like, want to be Intercontinental Champion, want to be World Champion, wanted to wrestle at WrestleMania. He said, like, what kind of dad would I be if I told my kid to you know, chase his dreams, but I didn't without chasing mine. So that's why I came back. And, of course, the natural progression is to have Theory interrupt them. The T's doing the sideways high five before Johnny super kicked him. But they're, they're taking, they seem to be taking the time this. Johnny's not jumping into anything with Theory, you know, right away. Theory, I don't think he's even booked for Clash at the Castle. Nope. And he went from teasing that he would cash at SummerSlam to not even being anywhere near this this title feud to go in and Clash at the Castle. So he's going under a redirection with a with Triple H in charge. But you know. basically, he loses his adopted grandpa, and uh, you know he's all the way down the pecking order again. Yeah. So I've seen. Was it, what was it Roman said? Your daddy's not here anymore. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that, that was like the earliest example of Triple H. You know, being involved in the product here and acknowledging like things are different around here now. <laughs> yeah, acknowledge. Mm, yes, I I got it. Uh, so I'm looking forward to see where this goes. Well, where how this will help progress, like Johnny like, up the card and what how this will affect you in terms of like when he eventually cashes in the money about briefcase. But Dave, on a scale from one being within a week or so and ten being, they're going to draw this out as long as possible. How long before on the main roster we get another interaction between Gargano and Champa? Ooh, um, I'd say about a five. You know, me, well, for lack of a better word, I'll uh, meet in the middle, shall we say? Because <laughs> you know, I think maybe after Johnny's done his feud with Theory, you know, Theory still has the Money in the Bank briefcase to fall back on. If Johnny says moves to a, a feud with the Miz at some point, which I imagine would make a lot of sense. You've got Champa lurking in the background, and I think all, as soon as that happens, you're going to get DIY chants non-stop. So, definitely not going to say never, but just not right now, as it were. Save it for maybe Survivor Series program, potentially, as long as they don't do full-on brand supremacy. I think I'd, I'd push even for that. I'd say the first proper interaction they should have is in like the Royal Rumble. Oh, like, yes. Jump is in there, you know, battering people, need people in the face. Johnny comes out and there's a kind of a moment where you can't just look at each other and mellowing. You don't know they got to work together. They're going to fight. Mm. What are they going to do? Drowned out with the, the DIY chats, no doubt. Yeah, because I know a lot of people are kind of done with it, but, you know, they had the idea to do the big blow-off in New York in 2019 where Johnny would have beat him and won the title. That got delayed uh, because of Champa's injury. Then they tried to do another match this time with Johnny as the bad guy, but they had to do a weird cinematic version of it, which divided a lot of people's opinions uh, because you know, of the weird cinematic nature and things were still weird at that time with NXT and the pandemic. So I think if Triple H and that take the time, they can do one more match which needs to do. It'll hopefully be a definitive kind of end to this, and then they never need to feud ever again. I want to see them team again because, you know, Raw's in desperate need of solid tag teams to compete against. And when you think of, like, the Usos, because at the minute they're not defending the titles at Clash of the Castle either. Like, Sami Zayn sort of acted as their sort of jester a little bit. And you get Kevin Owens getting involved now. I've seen uh, suggestions online, you know, we could have uh, KO and Sami teaming up against the Usos to challenge them maybe have DIY at some point, you know, and 
we know DIY is very, very good as a tag team. We just look at TakeOver Toronto against the Revival. Two out of three falls, one of the best tag matches the company's ever produced. Yeah, I, I would rather see them as a tag team rather than going against each other. Well, you know, time, time will tell. I think, uh, talking about the Usos, I believe, for the same reason that they weren't at SmackDown a couple of weeks ago when they were in Canada, I think traveling internationally for shows is difficult with Jimmy's you know, history with DUI, so that's why mm-hmm. the team titles aren't being put on Clash of the Castle, which is part of the reason, again, I'm, I'm still curious to why the Street Profits didn't win them, because you could have had Street Profits defending against a different team and then drop them back to the Usos when they get back to the States at the next pay-per-view after Clash of the Castle, which I believe is Extreme Rules. Uh, on the current schedule for WWE, so that's um, fortunate. Another thing about uh, Glassy Castle is I'm um, weird that I find it confusing that there's no United States title match. I think because Bobby had a non-title match against Miz, which you know the main takeaway was like Dexter Lumis lurk, lurk, still lurking about. So I thought Champa was going to help Miz, and we would have had like a Miz Lashley match at you know Glassy Castle because Lashley, you know, it's been having some strong defenses on TV, and you know, they've been picking up. The, the prestige of the two mid-card belts, so it's a shame to not have him get to defend his tail on such a major show. Mm. Yeah, it's a real shame, because I'm looking at the match card just now, and it's only three championships are getting defended so far, and all of them are on the SmackDown side. Mm. Well, but yeah, definitely. Yeah, you, I mean, they might squeeze a US title match in at the last minute, you know, they always like to you know, do something, but yeah. Hard to say at this point, given that we're literally days away from it. You can definitely say that the the main belts can have across both shows, even though yeah, it's a SmackDown guy holding it, and you have a Raw champion involved just in a non-title kind of situation. But I get what you're saying. Apparently, SmackDown for this Friday has already been taped. They taped yeah. it last week because obviously everyone has to fly over there to do media in the days before the show. From what I, I read, on oh, nothing really major. I think they're planning a big two-year anniversary celebration of Roman Reigns' Universal title reign with Sami Zayn as Master of Ceremony, so mm. I imagine it's highly likely Sami's getting claymored at the end of that segment. Uh, uh, for sure. You've also got uh, Pete Dunne going up against uh, I, I want to say uh, Ludwig. Yeah, Ludwig Kaiser. Apparently photos came out that even though he's still being announced as Butch, he did come out in his old singlet. At the yes! Table. Uh, also, go back to, please just go back to Pete Dunne I mean like how can Triple H seriously look at one of his best NXT graduates uh, and just think this guy's getting called Butch and we've already seen like a couple of name revert, like name changes again or back to what they originally were I think this is going to be like a slow thing like maybe once if Seamus loses which I do think is going to happen maybe he'll be like the hell my pally around with you guys for why am I letting you call me Butch? So I think that will play into the story of the IC title match coming up. But you also have a a Viking rules match between the Viking Raiders and the New Day. Kevin Cross will make his in ring return since you know he came back. He'll take on Drew Gulak. Oh Christ. Pray for Drew Gulak. Pray, pray for and, Drew. And we will have the in ring debut of Maximum Male Models against Hero. Yes, Marseille and Mansoir. Take your <laughs> hit row. Oh, you know what? I'm thrilled to see hit row back. Like, I honestly don't know why they got called up and then released immediately, but I think it was just to avoid the the lesser no-compete clause out of NXT. 
think they were going to release them anyway, but if they moved them to SmackDown, then it would change to the 90-day no-complete-peak clause as opposed to the 30-day one in NXT. Uh, not, not to get too ahead of the list, everything came up on SmackDown. You mentioned Survivor Series. Uh, something I wanted to mention there. Obviously, it was covered uh, before uh, about WrestleMania. Ross and John Ashwood talked about it a couple weeks ago about how quickly tickets have been selling for WrestleMania. Like, on the first day, uh, even there's like 50,000 uh, tickets on sale for both nights and before they even added on the, the deals you know the two for one like it, we guarantee yourself the same seat for both nights like or 90 percent of the tickets that got went on sale got sold out in like a day or so which is astounding especially mm-hmm. given all the tickets were moving last year but also within a, about a day all the tickets that were put on sale for this year's variety which i believe is set to go down in boston uh, towards the end of november uh, sold out so variety is almost completely sold out there's no matches announced, it's just a poster. Ian Ross talked about it last week, there's a red and blue on it, so it does look like the brand thing is, is still a thing, but thankfully they're not doing the draft right before Survivor so people will have actually had some loyalty to their particular brands, but mm-hmm. they want to ask your opinion, maybe with Triple H involved, are you more excited about, or optimistic about what the brand v brand they could involve, because Ian Ross did talk about, I think it was a pinch of salt, but there were rumours, that now that Vince has got Triple H, could get his wish of having war games on the main roster. Oh yes, please, please, please! I want to see another. I want to see a full-on main roster war games match uh, between the two sides. You know, do just do same four v four, and oh, in an arena that size, yes, please. That's proper, proper NXT old school days for war games, essentially. Like. And I'd take it over, you know, the traditional five-on-five elimination match at that point because I think they've been sort of done to death at this point. Let's let's have something new and let's give them something to fight for as well. Like, you know, the winning team uh, gets the right to have the number 30 spot in the Royal Rumble. Like, a prize like that, you know, that's something to fight for. And it it means the match has stakes on it rather than just, you know, brand loyalty or brand supremacy. I talked about this with Ross, and I, my suggestion was like they're still doing day one as the one pay-per-view between Sororities uh, and the Rumble. So I suggested like have like Team Raw, Team SmackDown, men's and women's, and like the women winning team, the five competitors from that match go on a day one and compete in like a five-way, and the winner fights the, their brand's champion or uh, at the Royal Rumble. So Team Raw women's win, and say Bailey's on the belt, winner at day one in the five-way. Faces barely for the Romans title at like the Rumble. Um, yeah, I see what you're meaning, but why not just save the like five wear whatever for the following Raw or SmackDown? Because then that gets people tuning into the TV product a bit more, and it will spike the ratings again. Rather well, than you know say, have, let's not wait for the pay per view. Let's just do it on TV. Well, there, yeah, but then you have the situation where you need something to draw you in. You need marquee matches for day one. To then lead on the idea of like fighting for the for your main title at the Royal Rumble, which is still one of the big four shows of the year, it's still a big prize going after. And usually, like, you know, I think if it's like Steam SmackDown, the men's one, you think the big stars on SmackDown, you get a big marquee five way with some of your biggest names, and that help you sell tickets for day one because mm-hmm. you know how much demand there is, depending even before the cards announced for like. You know, I'm hungover for New Year's Eve. Do I really want to go into arena with screaming people and pyro going off? <laughs> I think maybe day one sounds more appropriate, actually, given the length of time. But 
because uh, they, they, they've scrapped TLC now, haven't they? From the December pay-per-view card, haven't they? Is that right? Yeah, I think like they're. I think it's a case of December's a you know slow month anyway because a couple of shows at the end of the month need to tape anyway because of Christmas yeah. and time off. So I think it's a case of we can build to a pay-per-view. It gives us a couple extra weeks to build to a pay-per-view if it's like at right at the start of January. Kind of like when they used to do New Year's Revolution. Mm-hmm. Raw. Yeah, that makes sense. Aye, so I mean, if 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 we're lighting up something for day one, I think that gives purpose and reason for the brand war at at Survivor Series. But I'm definitely definitely down to see a War Games match. Uh, talking about brands, it seems like they are planning on doing another WWE draft, but they've moved it to the logical place and the place they used to do the draft on a yearly basis. the The plan is to have it a couple weeks after uh, WrestleMania. As apparently the the original plan before Triple H to go was to have the draft like a week after Clash at the Castle, and talent were even told to expect that uh, the draft would happen shortly after, and to who was maybe at the particular shows and who was going to go potentially where. But now they've been told that no, nobody's been told anything about a draft even happening, so it looks like it's being called off for now and potentially moved back to the post WrestleMania slot. Makes sense. I mean, WrestleMania is sort of like the reset button for their sort of annual booking as it were so it's like wrestlemania sort of like the end of the season as it were and then the raw after is like the start of a new season and then that way you could just wipe the slate clean start with a fresh new roster and this is going to be your plan from raw after mania this year which is also beginning of the financial year so it makes a lot of sense on their part uh to the end of the season which is wrestlemania and that's like sort of the you know the big finale, the the crowning the crowning moment for all these all these year long stories. It's logistically it, it makes sense, and as you said before about Survivor Series, you know it gives time to people people to have that brand loyalty about them yeah. for the big Survivor Series clash. Uh-huh. I think also it seems like they're doing less of these like rematches and redoing the same match across multiple like pay per views which I'm sure would be a long change to many people. So I'm hoping that that means that when they do the draft after WrestleMania this year, we don't have the same issue of, like, somebody from Raw has lost the title. He's getting his rematch to the next pay-per-view. He's also been drafted as SmackDown, so he's now definitely not winning the title back. <laughs> like, I think Miz lost the IC title to Rollins in the Triple Threat WrestleMania 34, mm-hmm. and then for Backlash, even though it was a Raw belt, Miz got drafted to SmackDown. Yeah, it's just... That kind of stuff like that, it just really, really craps on the booking for sure. But then again, that match at Backlash was the only decent match on that card. And hopefully, if it like is, if we avoid these kind of rematches, if you do really do them, do them on like the TV before, give some appeal to the Raw and SmackDown after Mania, like something for us to tune in for. Also, it makes lack of rematches post WrestleMania makes WrestleMania what it should be, which is the big end all. This is where all storylines are blown off. And like you said, the reset button is hit thereafter. Mm-hmm. And we know what it's like to end a season in uh, at WrestleMania and then draft the following week, right? <laughs> Us two SDL hosts taking over Central this week. <laughs> oh yeah, I forgot. Or is it? I thought it was maybe me and Ryan because me, it was maybe me and Ryan last week. Well, anyway, admin. Because <laughs> I don't know if you're going to be able to do SDL this week uh, live from Cardiff. Um, I mean, I could go remotely, but then again, I would want to risk taking my laptop down and probably losing it. So I'm, besides, the chances are I'll probably either be at the Superstore 
chancing it with a meet and greet or just having a pint with the guys. They'll do. That's just the the situation I'll be in. Yeah, it's more like giving me and Ryan a boost this week. So mm-hmm. maybe Ryan can tell me more about his uh, team. Uh, I'll say I'll send I'll send plenty of selfies to the group chat. Thank you. Reminder, mute group. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, on, before we go into any of the big previews of this weekend, we do have a bit of uh, somber news. But hopefully, you know, we'll try and look at it more optimistic and hope that he you know, pulls through. But Joe Doring of Impact Wrestling, the, uh, the heater of the heel group Violent by Design, has announced that he has to take some time off. He, he battled with brain cancer about six years ago. And uh, he went through treatment and everything, but unfortunately it has returned. He is going in for surgery very soon. Uh, there's a T-shirt going around uh, on his pro wrestling tees, which if you want to support him, I recommend uh, you maybe think about getting it. It's him giving a light to another version of himself, and a version of himself that's getting lariated. The uh, tumor's being knocked out of his head. I kind of think the idea of like, he's just going gonna to battle through this. And the fact that he's going in for surgery rather than like going for like anything like chemo or any other treatment like that. I'm optimistic that means that there's a chance he will hopefully have a speedy recovery and that they caught it, you know, the return they caught the cancer coming back in time that he can, you know, pull through and hopefully return to the ring. Yeah, it's a damn shame as well. Like, you know it's literally like the worst news anybody can take, both from like a real life perspective and a performing aspect. It's yeah, like I don't want to sort of venture too much into it because it's uh, it is quite a, a sensitive subject. But all all I can really say is is that I hope he's he's doing okay, he's getting the help he needs, and just wish him a speedy recovery. Like forget talk of storylines and how this is going to upset the the TNA cart and stuff. It doesn't matter. This is a man's life at risk here. Yeah, definitely, and you know. It, It'd be a shame if we didn't see him back in the ring. He's been a, a big part of Violent by Design. He's like the muscle of the group. He rarely even gets knocked off. He only suffered his first pinfall loss recently, and it felt like a big deal when that happened. So he's a kind of a throwback when you see him wrestle, and we hope to see him back in the ring very soon. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right now, let's just focus on him getting better. Absolutely, absolutely. Uh, shifting gear now to Clash at the Castle, where... Whoop, whoop. Members of our uh, group here, ESs are including David Hockney, I believe. So initially told us the tale of how he spent his money, quite a bit of money, getting a good seat at Classic Castle. And only two weeks ago, someone offered him a freebie. So if only you held out just a little longer, John. But we had, weirdly enough, I think this is the first proper pay-per-view under the Triple H era because Triple H did it, if I did have his influence. But mm-hmm. I think most of that was probably already put into place before the show. This is properly Triple H's, you know, his hands are all over this. It's first show in the UK, like major pay-per-view, UK since 92, first pay-per-view of any kind since 2003, it's Direction. Mm-hmm. And looking at this card... <laughs> uh, yeah, I remember you guys joking about Quiz Showdown and that. How funny would it be if, in this day and age if Insurrection was held in the US? I <laughs> uh, tell you what, if if you don't get that reference, just Google January 6th. Oh, yeah. You know, replace, replace, insurrection, replacing day one and moving a couple of days. <laughs> <laughs> but looking at this... Uh, Chris Anthony Lopez, that's... Uh, you know what I mean by that. I think we all know what you mean, but looking at the card, there are six matches in the show. Uh, 
and like it's weird because I keep getting annoyed at pay-per-views like All Out and AEW for like how much they keep adding matches to the show whereas I'm weirdly feeling the opposite feeling where I'm wanting to be to add more matches to Clash at the Castle but only six matches on this show I think there's only six matches in the world to collide so mm-hmm. this is Triple H's call and all takeovers were like five or six matches maximum back in the day I think they still are like well you know they're not called takeovers anymore uh, but do you think this will hopefully be the norm going forward where we have like a limited number of matches on show meaning that every match gets time and people kind of earn their place on the on the pay-per-view that's exactly what I was thinking is that Triple H's vision of black and gold NXT and this is a mindset I completely agree with is that less is more like there's no point in trying to jam like 10 matches in a four-hour show because not everybody's going to get enough time on the card to really showcase what they've got everything will feel rushed and it won't tell a very good story uh, just for the sake of you know a few minutes of wrestling followed by 20 to 30 minutes of either someone cutting a promo or there's a, a music performance for example or there's video packages being shown let's just give everybody at least 20 to 30 minutes and you know like they say this match is scheduled for a 20 minute time limit and stuff like just stick with that or for title matches is obviously 60 minutes uh like that is enough to tell the story but also give people their money's worth in terms of in-ring action because i reckon roman and drew are going to get at least half an hour if not maybe 40 minutes because that is going to be a slug fest of a match and and you know what i would really like to see gunther and sheamus go on for a, a good while because i just want to see these two <laughs> this is the the big meaty men slapping meat match definitely and i will mean slapping because those two are gonna beat the living piss out of each other absolutely yeah i also think like you say like giving people a reason to turn to tv then some matches you think well why is not on the show and then you can have them somebody following a 30 second back to your room oh hello, i'm Bobby Lashley, I'm the US champion. I'm not on the show, but tomorrow night I'm defending my US title against this person. So he's an extra reason to tune in a Monday Night Raw match. You guys see a title match. But you can have them say, I'm going to open Raw with a title match. So like, oh, you could start off the show with a, a big title match. But looking at Clash at the Castle, the six matches that we've got is Gunther versus Sheamus, as we said, for the Intercontinental Championship. We have Seth Rollins versus Matt Riddle. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have Edge and Rey Mysterio, it's fucking 2002 all over again, taking on Judgment Day, yeah. Finn Balor and Damian Priest. This was rumoured to be a six-person tag with Beth Phoenix and Rhea Ripley on the respective sides, but seemingly being changed. We have Bianca Belair, Asuka and Alexa Bliss taking on the team now referred to as Damage Control, Bailey, Guy in the Sky, I Can Fly Twice as High. <laughs> The women's title is online with Liv Morgan defense against Shayna Baszler and in the main event, the undisputed WWE Universal Championship as Wales' is owned by way of Scotland, Drew McIntyre <laughs> takes on the now the most dominant champion in modern history. You've now been holding the belt for two bastard years, Roman Reigns. Like I said, only six matches, but what a hell of a show. It looks like a hell of a card. If I could just make a couple of tweaks to it, though, from as it stands like following the promo between matt riddle and seth rollins on raw where basically rollins brought up that riddle's obviously divorced and the kids walked away and stuff like she turned the winds against us you know and all that (laughs) riddle's dropping f-bombs everywhere and like 
I would like this match to be no holds barred. Like some of the creative spots that these guys could pull out with weapons, etc., while still having that animosity, I think it would be a real, real sight to see. Plus, it gives us a a stipulation type match for what's going to be a, an already stacked card, and it's really good. It's also really good to see Edge and Rey Mysterio teaming together after almost twenty years to the day where they won the SmackDown tag team titles. There you go. Uh, like it's, I, I'd like to see them in a kind of stipulation match maybe for the wins here and Seth obviously can't accept the loss maybe they have a stipulation on the following Raw or something like that maybe they have a stipulation match at Extreme Rules that's usually what that's for because sometimes if the feud's good enough they can warrant doing multiple matches and you don't have to or, or they never do rematches so I'm very interested to see what this, uh, what this does let me ask you about uh, a story that ties into this one tag obviously Bianca Alexa and uh, Asuka versus Damage Control has been a lot of buzz around this new group since they made the return. Mm. Uh, this past week, uh, in the build-up to this, Asuka and Alexa lost to Kai and Sky at, in the semi-finals of the Women's Tag Tournament, the ever-cursed Women's Tag Tournament on the SmackDown side. But then it led down to Kai and Sky versus Dakota and Aaliyah with interference from uh, the faces where they chased Bailey off and Raquel and Aaliyah used that attraction to win the tag team titles. In a mixed response to this, I think that uh, I, th- I think part of this is to you know build some heat for the match. The idea that the heels are annoyed that they got cost the belts. Mm-hmm. Is it to like extreme rules where you can have like a female version of what the Shield did in 2013? We have one, two members win the tie belts and somebody else wins a singles belt and they can all hold gold together and push that back a little bit. It also helps Aaliyah and, and Raquel because, you know, like if it was just so obvious that the guy and Sky were going to win, then the case of people being fed to them, whereas you're mm. sat in other teams building an actual division around this, and you got to give the faces something by costing the belts, because you know otherwise the heels have been so dominantly into it, it would make the result a bit more, you know, a bit too predictable. I, I mean, I think it was likely you know big big Kai and the Sky were going to make it to the the final for sure. But who they were up against, though, I reckon it was they were probably going to win the titles because, you know, Damage Controller definitely going to win the, the titles at some point. But I think this is to give both Raquel and Aaliyah a bit of a rub in terms of, like, main roster championships because Raquel's obviously a two-time NXT Women's Tag Team Champion and this is Aaliyah's first title. And Aaliyah was needing a much-needed boost because she was sort of lingering in the background doing, doing hee-haw and... All people ever talked about was that three-second victory over Natalia months ago. And that's kind of what she's been riding on all this time. So it's a nice little booster for Raquel and Aaliyah. But the long-term plan is definitely damage control being being champions. And just as an added note on that, myself and Stephen Wilson are flying down uh, Friday morning uh, to Cardiff. Well, Bristol, technically, but we're getting the train to Cardiff. And by the time we get there, um, Dakota and EO are actually going to be doing a, a meet and greet. So with a bit of luck and some good timing, we might be able to get to visit their meet and greet. Oh, there you go. There you go. So I, think, I think that's what we're banking on, given that the other two that day are Damien Priest and Madcap Moss. But <laughs> if, we had, if we had to choose out the three, definitely we'd want to do this one. Not even Priest and Balor, you know, who are in an actual nope. team. 
it's, oh. it's, it's priest on his own. <laughs> Jesus fucking Christ. But looking at the, the woman's side, I think this match can be also set up to you know, give Bailey a win on her return on a big show to warrant her asking her warrant her imagine a, a raw woman's tail match potentially adding mm. rules and then you can lead into you know kind of feeling like you know the only reason you guys won those tails is because we got distracted so we want a shot at those oh, belts. they actually do have a legitimate gripe because apparently um dakota wasn't legal competitor she ended up getting pinned well, there you go steve you can you can work that into the in the story i mean i'm happy for Aaliyah particularly because she's been like she was on like the initial breaking ground. I think that was filmed back in like twenty fifteen. So she's been around a while. So thankfully she's, you know, she's finally gotten something. But mm-hmm. from from Dave Meltzer, you know, the man who knows all. Apparently the big reason for uh, Raquel and Aaliyah winning this is because there's a big, uh, you know, they really want to push uh, Raquel Gonzalez currently on the main roster. So because you know she oh, was yeah. NXT champion herself, like two time tag Germany, as you said. So. Giving her this, they create a little bit more legitimacy around her before maybe like having Bailey cost her and Leah the belts by interfering on Kane's guy's behalf. And if Bailey wins the Robin still, you can set up Raquel as a future challenger for Bailey. You know, I think there's multiple ways you can tell like woven stories with, you know, and help further build the division uh, around these particular groups. But something I, uh, I found here's a thing for two random facts that no one asked me to tell you, but I'm going to tell you anyway. Out of the six women in here in this uh, one tag, Dakota Kai is the only one to never hold any type of women's singles gold in WWE. That is true. She's only ever held tag gold in NXT. Twice with with Raquel, yeah. And Bianca Belair is the only one never to hold any kind of tag team gold in WWE. That's bad. The other five have been uh, women's tag champs with various different partners. Yep. Eo with Zoe, Zoe Stark, uh, Bailey with Sasha, as we said, yeah. Dakota with Raquel twice, uh, Bliss Cross, Applesauce, Asuka Charlotte, and Asuka yeah. the Kabuki Warriors. I forgot about Asuka and Charlotte, if I'm honest with you. I know, I know. <laughs> Jesus, that was that was a fucking mistake, that. <laughs> Just a bet. <laughs> yeah, so I'm looking forward to that. Uh, like you said, we've got uh, Gunther and James, a big meaty man slap me. Any other time, I would have said, give it to Sheamus, let him be a Grand Slam champion. Cut a promo on whatever they're calling talking smack. Now, basically saying, like, I've done everything I can to put myself in the path to the IC title. And now it's finally, I've got my opportunity. But Gun- Gunther, when he holds the title, it, it works best when he when he holds it for a long time. Just look at his UK title run mm-hmm. or his reigns and then he's when he gets the title, he holds it for a long time. I think that's what the IC title needs right now. He carries himself with a lot of grandeur, a lot of integrity as well. Like, And I think that's just part... I don't know if that's just part of his character or sort of more... Maybe a little bit of who he is as a person as well. But I'm really enjoying Gunther as Intercontinental Champion. Like, he's... And the commentators are hyping it up as well. You know, it's... It's ref- it's being referred to once again as the Workman's Championship, mm-hmm. and I think Gunther was reiterating that on his promo lately because it's the Workman's title because he thinks the mat is sacred and he, he wants to, you know, defend it with with honor, but also if if he could be a, a heel about it at the same time, I think that's that just adds a little extra of complexity to his character. 
but he also and, maintains that level of politeness about him. And uh, if you talk about meaty men, I've, made, I've been saying this for ages since I think he won the belt, but another argument they keep doing the brand supremacy, especially for this year, if they can keep on their respective belts, Gunther versus Lashley at Survivor Series. <laughs> oh, yes. Oh, I want to see that. Also, if, if Bailey wins the women's belt eventually from Bianca, which I hope she does because I'm a draft team, and the result goes in favour of Shayna Baszler, which I'm, I'm, I think online there's a lot of sentiment going that way. A Bailey, match, Bailey versus Shayna Baszler match is a very few. That's a, I was going to say a first time ever. We did see it in terms of a triple threat at very few 2019, but getting to see them for the first time in a singles match, I think would be pretty cool. Yeah, and Shayna's been... Shayna's been practically buried for for two years now i think she deserves a, a singles run as women's champion nothing against lev though i mean you know she's obviously putting the putting the grind to get where she was winning the money in the bank contract and then winning the title but fans obviously being fickle as ever i think they're starting to get a bit sour on her a little bit i don't know why is it because she's got she got two wins over ronda rousey when no one else has and and, you know, when you were mentioning Raquel uh, sort of being the focus of, you know, getting championships on the main roster and stuff, I think it would be good to see a Shayna Raquel match at some point. Mm. Like, yeah. How does that sound? Yeah, I forgot. I think I, think I forgot Raquel's on SmackDown. SmackDown. Yep. But, but fuck it, move her to Raw. I don't care. Like, <laughs> I, I still want to see her v Bailey. Make it happen, damn it. But oh yeah, yeah. Give us, give us Bailey Shayna. You know, I'm all for that. But if if I want to see Big Mammy Cool become SmackDown Women's Champion, I think it would be good to see her beat Shayna for it. Yeah, I, I think Liv has really been done dirty here with this, what happened at SummerSlam because, you know, for like two years, fans have been ready for a finally do something and break out and everything to be put in that position. But they never seemed to know how to put her there. And through the money in the bank, everybody was ready for it. She cashed in, people were happy to see her beat Ronda Rousey and then they did that bullshit finish where she kind of tapped out, but also pinned Ronda's shoulders to that, so mm-hmm. she kind of won accidentally. And people even were just trying to get a babyface promo and had to acknowledge the fact that fans were chatting, you tapped out. Uh, while Kayla Braxton looked very annoyed while interviewing her, because clearly they're, they're pals in real life. But mm-hmm. like, I think that was only done to like protect Ronda so they could set up the suspension angle when she attacked the referee, even though she keeps showing up and paying fines and telling them, oh, like, like reinstate me, so... Walks in with a a big bag of money, just sort of pours it on the table. That's yeah. So there was like so much focus on protecting Ronda that they didn't realize just how much they've harmed Lev Morgan and a lot Mm -hmm. of people. And I think it's really unfortunate. At the same time, no, it's a again, it's a weird case of time where you're happy for Lev and want to keep this. There's no point we want to do keep our momentum going for when she casts and have a the reign that she deserves. However. Gina Baszler is also two years overdue for her reign. She should have got it when she... Two and a half years. Yeah, she should have beaten Becky Lynch and a WrestleMania 36. So it's a case of... I, I love both of these women, but you know I do feel like there'd be quite a bit of fan outrage, both online and in the arena, if Gina didn't win. Aye, yeah. Well, we'll be sure to capture that response uh, <laughs> as it unfolds. But I have a feeling this is actually going to be the weakest match of the card. Oh. Now that we've sort of set that discussion. All right. Uh, I mean, not, they are all really good matches, but I think this has potentially to be either the biggest letdown or probably the weakest in terms of in-ring action. Uh, Shayna's no spring chicken either. 
I mean, I think giving her this opportunity to you know probably show vicious scene again, you had that angle where she was going to break Liv's arms, like could do it now, but I want yeah. you healthy in car so I can break it there. I, I think you're really doing that kind of a disservice. I, I'm hopeful for this match, but I'm gonna, uh, I hope I get I hope I get proved wrong. I hope you do too. Uh, <laughs> I mean, maybe, I mean, depending on where they place it, it may not seem as great life as, you know, some of it. I remember, like, the Rhea Ripley Tony Storm match from TakeOver Blackpool. Like, it was okay when you watch it on TV, but given where it was in the car, when I went to see it live, I was just sitting there like, this is all right, isn't it? <laughs> Sometimes yeah. you when you're there live. Mm-hmm. I think if they open with Gunther Sheamus, everybody will be exhausted by the time the next match comes, which will probably be that one. I think it'll either open with Gunther Sheamus or the six women tag. Oh. Because mm-hmm. I think something that will guarantee kind of a pop, so you can start the show off. You know, because the crowd will be very rowdy at that at that show, and uh, everybody in the six woman tag is over. You know, Gunther and Sheamus are, are over, especially Gunther for his you know time on the UK scene. Mm-hmm. Uh, but looking at the other match, Eddie and uh, Edge and Ray versus Judgment Day. Before we go on to the main event, you know, there was a there are a lot of people are playing this segment from Raw, and I don't want to get your thoughts on it. Where Dominic was all like, it's okay that you didn't want to team with me. And I was like, it's fine that you want to team with Ed instead of me, basically. Kind of paraphrasing what he actually said. But a lot of people point that as to what Dominic really, is really saying is, I'm going to betray you this weekend. It is, honestly, even if you had like, um, if you had disco lights and arrows pointing towards a heel turn, this is, this is it. I mean, oh, it's like, da, why are you choosing a guy you won a championship with? 20 years ago against your own over your own son like that's <laughs> that is screaming heel turn potential uh for sure and obviously with Rhea Ripley getting what the best thing that Dom's done I think these two years or it was in WWE is his reaction to something Ray said a couple weeks ago where he says like no Edge he's like my familiar you know like I'm your actual familiar I'm your familiar <laughs> Oh, uh, it's it's like basically screaming what the fans, if fans of the TV would have said, like you know, they would just stopped it. Like he's my, my he's my familia, and that's it. But um, obviously they've got Dominic going sort of back and forth with Rhea as well. So I, I expect those two to have a bit of an interaction on the outside. But then again, you know, they're both in happy relationships of their own. So <laughs> let's just hope they just don't do some. Uh, Stuff that compromises their integrity is all I'm saying because there's definitely a bit of chemistry between those two. I mean, uh, Dom will probably retrieve that not because he wants to, but because Rhea told him to, and he'll do clearly whatever she says. I mean, she did ha- tell him to hand over the kendo stick. They uh, are a bit the, I think they're about the same age as well, which is mad so, to think. Which is mad to think, given that you know, years like when I started watching, Dominic was only about eight years old in that. I'm your papi angle with Ray and Eddie Guerrero. Yeah, I think I think they were about when when we appeared in the first Mayan Classic back in 2017. They were hyping up as one of the younger competitors, like 20, 21 at the time. I think mm. if that, I think she may even been 22 or something like that. But they were talking about how young she was and fucking Nigel McGuinness when she was in NXT UK. Every <laughs> every time she was out, she's like 21. She's the NXT UK Women's Champion. I didn't even step into a ring till I was 23. Like. Really, Nigel, I couldn't have told that, given that you've told us that every time she's made any appearance on this fucking show. <laughs> <laughs> like, every time Alistair Black used to come in, oh, I used to know him. Yes, mm-hmm. I would a beard hair on his face or any tattoos, we know. Oh, love you, Nigel. 
really. You know what I think it is? I think even though they're on separate sides, I think Dom will get drawn in by Rhea a little bit, and Nuno, she'll become like he'll become her her boy toy a little bit. <laughs> uh, you know, he get he, he gets Dom in the the goth face paint as well. That'd be that'd be ideal. And then he turns again and says, he tells her, I'm not your boy, Toy. And summoning the courage out, I'm just a sexy boy. <laughs> well, anyway, moving on to the main event. And, you know, extra intrigue, even though it's in kind of Drew's backyard. You know, he's the UK boy. Uh, uh, it's just in the, the UK the, boy. The, the, back guard, the back garden that's full of sheep. That's where. Well, that could be Wales. That could be anywhere in the Highlands. <laughs> But uh, there's more Highland cows up there than there are sheep, I reckon. Right. Coming soon to SSR, farming now with David Hawking. <laughs> country file. <laughs> but what, uh, without without uh, without O in country. I was gonna say country file. I'm pretty sure that's what they do. They call people who do good things to sheep. Check game. Like I said, country file without the O. But uh, but what I'm saying is uh. Drew, you know, he's the UK boy, unless he loses, in which case he's a Scottish boy. Uh, <laughs> like, there was already intrigue given he was the, like, the UK representative in this big match and this major show, you know, first major show since, you know, SummerSlam 92. And so there was already intrigue, is this the time, is this where they pull the trigger? But WrestleVotes then added further fuel to the fire with a tweet saying that for the first time in a long time, actual proposals have been, uh, serious proposals have been made about... Roman dropping the title and when he should drop it, and that some they've listened to some of these suggestions and have taken them on with real consideration. And then they even tease that could make this weekend very interesting, implying that they think that one of the suggestions has been for this weekend, but they don't know how seriously those have been taken. So it's like it could happen this weekend, it might not. Don't blame us if it doesn't happen. Mm. So, with that in mind, and like you said, he's already held it for two years. I mean, it would be a big moment for you to be there live to see it, but in your honest opinion, you know, Scott, even, be, even though he's a hometown, you know, he's from Scotland as well, that aside, just as a wrestler and as the guy who's been built up, yes or no, do you think Drew is winning the title? See, I had this conversation with Drac on last week's Saturday Draft Live. Uh, and my honest answer, yeah, I think he's going to do it. I mean, just look at how he's been built over the last few months. You know, he's very much there. People still recognize him as one of the top guys, but he was nowhere near the title picture for a good while. And it wasn't until he won the number one contenders match against Sheamus, that's when he was put back in contention. And with the whole hype around Clash of the Castle being the first major UK stadium show in 30 years, I think this is a golden opportunity to recreate the magic from 1992 when British Bulldog pinned Bret Hart for the Intercontinental title. And what I think is, I think it's some of the guys on the pod's favourite, one of the one of their favourite matches ever. And I can see where they're coming from. Would they be tempted to do the same thing again? I, I reckon they will. Uh, I've watched SummerSlam 1992 and, you know, they talk about that match between Bulldog and, and Brett for, for good reason. It's one of Bulldog's best, probably mainly due to Brett helping him through it. Mm-hmm. It's, it's also the best match on that whole show because the rest of SummerSlam 82 is pretty pants, if I'm honest with you. Mm-hmm. Other than, like, the opener between Money Inc. and 
the Road Warriors and uh, the Shawn Michaels mm-hmm. cartel match where they weren't allowed to punch each other in the face because they were so obsessed with their looks. Everything else is pretty cack. But, but I will say about this as well. I will say about this as well. Like this is a set. This is effectively going to be Drew's WrestleMania moment that he never truly got. I mean, yes, he won the main event of WrestleMania 36, but that was in the Performance Center with no crowd, and he beat Brock Lesnar in about five minutes. This will be a chance to truly cement him as the guy. If he defend, if he dethrones somebody who's held the title for two years in front of an audience of about 70,000-odd people in his home country after what's been a months-long build-up after being out of the title picture for so long, he's been teasing he'll bring back Broken Dreams as his theme song for when he comes out, and my God, the pop for that alone would just be immense. And if you give him at least 30 minutes with Roman Reigns, which I think... Uncle Paul might just provide us with to make it a true, a truly classic main event. That I think this match could be discussed, you know, in about twenty years or so, and say, yeah, that was the the big UK show where a British wrestler won in front of this massive fuck off crowd, and he to throw in the guy who held the title for two years, like. It practically writes itself. And the way Drew's carried himself lately in matches, in his promos, and generally just being the the keystone for leading the company through the pandemic, he's due a moment like this to win the Undisputed Championship in front of that many people in his home country. Yeah, yeah. You made some really good points there. Originally, you talked about Brown Jeans. At this moment, at the time we're going, Dean Wilson has just put a, a link to a Drew McIntyre asking, could it be? And I clicked on it. And it's a thing of Drew, I think, working out with Broken Jeans playing in the background. And he's even put in the tweet and the caption, perhaps the end is drawing near, which is <laughs> the song. Oh, oh don't me with a, such a fucking tease. Don't threaten me with a good time. <laughs> But I, I see your point. I mean, look, look at the last time they met singles-wise, the like Savary Siege 2020, they were, when he was the re-champion, Rowan, still in the, early in his Universal reign, he said to Rowan in the belt, like, you're not a champion, you're a title holder. I'm a champion. Since then, Drew's lost the belt, he lastly went through all these struggles trying to get it back, not never being able to, going in these feuds that were, frankly, you know, it's all a bit beneath them. He tried to win it back from Big E, then, then went in this long thing with Corbett and Moss, Thing, has been in this world in this thing with the bloodline trying to get into the position where he can you know, justify being a challenger for this belt and now he's got the show like you said in a potential situation where he could be the have his Wrestlemania moment and you know I think it's been said that Roman's you know, become more part of him, he's not going to be at Extreme Rules so you know you need someone to carry that title into that pay-per-view mm-hmm. even if Roman goes away for like a month or so and comes back before Survivor you've got someone in a position to defending his mobile, you got Kevin Owens waiting, you got Karrion Cross waiting, Bobby Lashley even. Like, Drew versus Cross. Yeah. That's the that's the post castle feud for Extreme Rules. It's it writes itself. Well, even if you want to set up how you separate the belts, put them in two feuds with a uh, with bloody Kevin for the WWE title, Cross for the Universal retains the title over Cross. Cross gets angry about him, which weakens him before he's matched with Owens. Owens wins the WWE belt. There you go. You've separated the belts finally. Which means you can have a brand thing at Survivor Series. And 
when Roman comes back, Roman's going to mainly care about the Universal Belt anyway. So if Roman, if Drew's holding on to the Universal Belt still, that's where the rematch is when Roman comes back from whatever extra holiday. He takes more holidays than Ross McLeod does right now. <laughs> I, I, I'm with you. I am I have the faith that many people here, like, I think part of the reason, like a lot of people, you know, figured that Drew would probably be fighting uh, Roman for the title before he's even made official. I think a lot of people bought their tickets and are going to this show with the goal of saying that I want to be there when Roman when is Drew, When Drew wins the Undisputed Championship. Yeah. Um, well, our SDL co-host Jack was a little bit more pessimistic. He thinks Roman's winning. I know. And going against his own, his fellow airshipmen, honestly. Disgrace yeah, never mind, never mind fellow Scots, but he's going against his fellow air homeboy. You know, yeah, he did that interview and he looked at him in the face and, and wished him luck in his match at Clash of the Castle. He, looking two that's what that's what's happening. Winning the draft three times has really clouded his judgment, I think. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Like, how, how dare he not back his, his hometown boy? We're talking about people from the UK. We're going to have a fair bit of UK representation in this next show. We're going to talk about, to quote, uh, a song by the artist, I can't remember who it was by, but the song was often in the Dewey Robbie Smetting game. This is what happens when worlds, when worlds collide. I know who you mean. I heard it. I first heard that in Tony Hawk's Pro Skater 2, but <laughs> they use it, they reuse it for SmackDown versus Raw. That was a that was a bit of a throwback. And you want know it's been taking a while for Triple H to really turn his attention back to his, his old brand of NXT. Sean Michaels have been handling it for a while. But you look at what uh, at time recording last night's NXT where they set up the rest of the card for the show. Fucking Triple H is is everywhere. He's bringing back to perform people to wish people luck and basically telling you better fucking win. Like Balor and Champa giving encouragement to to Braun Baker, to Pete Dunn via Skype telling telling Tyler Bate to win, and Gunther basically saying that European wrestling is depending on you. You had Rhea Ripley telling Blair Davenport basically don't mess this up. Uh, so let me go take you through the, what the card is. We got again five matches. No, actually six matches. I've got to note one down. I believe one has been uh, recently announced as well. Yeah, one that I forgot to note down is Axion, a, a, a kid in a mask, taking on uh, Nathan Fraser, formerly Ben Carr. He briefly performed in AEW. They're both fighting in a round style match, in a best of three rounds. So kind mm-hmm. of back to the what the Heritage Cup was kind of was for a while. I think they've kind of dropped that for a little bit. Is it not? Um... Did they not say two out of three falls? I think they've said they specified it as rounds. So it's basically two out of three falls, but they're calling it rounds to kind of throw back to the you know the British style mm. okay. wrestling. And apparently they've set up because they were both reading comics backstage, and Nathan Fraser said, "Man, it's just a shame I never got a wrestle a kids." And I <laughs> <laughs> like, "Huh? We all know. We all know. Yeah, we know. We know. It's it's stuff like this that makes you makes you laugh. You know, it's that's sort of like the breaking the fourth wall when you're not really kind of thing we should have more breaking the fourth wall with bloody axiom but just basically turn him into nxt whatever point always version of bloody deadpool <laughs> yeah definitely we got a four-way match for the nxt and nxt uk tag team titles we have gallus pretty deadly diamond mind and brooks and jensen one of those teams is not like the other match hmm. for both sets of belts we have Katana Chance and Caden Carter defending their women's tag team titles against Nikki A.S.H. and Dewdrop, which is an, a bizarre match to read out. Even, as bizarre, even more bizarre is Carmelo Hughes, who came out and said, why am I not booked for the world to collide? Before he was challenged by the one and, and 
only. The uh, best, thing, best thing about that was is that Carmelo was like, oh, look out, he's got a microphone. I don't know if he knows how to handle that thing. <laughs> oh, it's funny because it's true. <laughs> Again, come back to... Is it, uh, to uh, we know, we know. We can show you, I think, one of the better early North American champions. He's coming back for that belt. We got a triple threat to unify the women's and the uh, UK women's type, uh, world titles. We have Mandy Rose, Miko Satamora, and Blair Davenport. And the main event, the unification match of the NXT UK NXT Championships, Tyler Bate versus Braun Breaker. So the UK belt will basically be ended here, kind of like when Bob Van Damme was hoovering up the European hardcore belts back in 2002. And basically, they're starting again with new belts in 2023 when NXT Europe starts. So, hell of a, a card there. This is, mm. I think, the most takeover feel since they stopped calling them takeovers. Yeah, like every match is a title match apart from obviously Axiom and uh, Nathan Fraser. Nathan Fraser, yeah, nearly said Ben Carter. He's is he not Willie Regal's kid? No, no, that's uh, Charlie Dempsey. Right, right, yeah, don't want to get confused there. Um, yeah, the obviously Axiom and oh, for fuck's sake, uh, Nathan Fraser. There we go. Uh, nearly said Nathan Fisher for a minute, but <laughs> that's about as close as we can get. But. Um, yeah, I think that'll be a nice one to sort of break up the the monotony of title matches throughout the whole thing. But if uh, if I know my takeovers as well as I hope I do, I think they'll open with the tag title match. You know, I think yeah. the last time I seen a fatal four way for a tag title match was the the ladder match between Street Profits, Forgotten Sons, Undisputed Era, and uh, I want to say Imperium. Uh, no, that may have been Larkin and Birch, maybe, for that point time period. Yeah, that was it, Larkin and Birch, thanks. I mean, there was one also, Gallus had been involved in this game, Multi-Man Fuhrer before, because they had, you know, they defend their title, I think it was a triple threat ladder match, or was it a four-way? No, that was a, that was a four-way as well. Yeah, them, GYV, Imperium, Imperium. and Webster and, uh, and Andrews. Yeah, South Wales subculture. Mm. If I... I mean, I'm not trying to say it, but it's here against the, for the UK. I mean, I think, you know, Jansen Carr and Carmelo Hayes, they're basically giving these big showcase matches that they're probably set to win. Being Hayes, Ricochet could be a match of the whole fucking weekend, in my opinion. But looking at the, the unification matches, mm-hmm. I'm leaning more towards the UK representation than pretty much all of them. Like, I think Gallus is a statement for them coming over the UK to NXT main. I think. They are being represented by Mark and Wolfie. I believe they're in them with a shout. Either them or Diamond to win you know, both sets of belts. Uh, I think Blair Davenport is the one who doesn't walk in with anything but can somehow steal it from Miko that's and Mandy. Leaning, that's what I'm leaning towards. I think Davenport might just sneak out uh, a dual win here. I know like, one of the members of the attraction sadly got injured, which meant they couldn't perform in the semis of the women's title tournament. But I think Mandy's definitely not winning because I don't think Toxic Attraction are along for. For NXT, I think a call-up is uh, in their near future, and mm-hmm. I think much as high as the arm Braun Breaker, I don't think he's got much time left in NXT, so I think Tyler uh, is maybe going to win here. And I think it's weird, I think they're roughly around the same age, and yet it's weird how much experience, much more experience Tyler has than Braun. Like, it's kind of like uh, when Pete Dunne was still Pete Dunne in NXT 2.0, he was uh, having a promo with Carmelo Hayes, he went like, I'm the same age as you, but I've got five years more experience. <laughs> yeah. 
Although, um, you seen that? I've seen Broad Breaker's Instagram lately, and apparently he's got a new squeeze. Yeah, big uh, Corey Jane. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Off in the jock. Looks like they're an item now. I don't know what that's got to do with the chances of winning the NXT UK title, but all right. I, know, I just thought it'd be nice to mention. But yeah, <laughs> I think I was actually leaning more towards the fools, the full sale NXT people to win. Blair Davenport obviously mm. being the the one exception. But um, yeah. I, I, now that you've said that, obviously I think Carmelo and Katana Caden are probably going to retain because they've not got UK equivalents for the North American and Women's Tag Championships. But the unification matches are, are now definitely up in the air. But I'm not convinced that all of them, all the UK-based competitors are going to be jumping ship to uh, US NXT. I think they might be holding out until NXT Europe. And in the meantime, they could take a few indie, indie bookings until then. I mean, I think the fact that they were brought over and not released, like, met so many others, so they've even remembered that they might bring some of the guys that were released back, which is a case of let them go work in the Indies while they wait for NXT Europe. I think the fact that these guys were brought over and not released says that they're, they've got plans for them in the US brand, which is why I'm probably leaning more heavily to like, to them. And also, yeah. it frees up some people who I think are ready for call it. Ricochet, I wouldn't actually mind if he beat Carmel, because Carmel's had that belt for a while. He's probably... Mm probably should hold the main NXT belt at some point soon before he eventually is called up. And also a, a brief prolonged run for Ricochet and NXT could really revitalize him. You know, uh, he, needs a, he needs a new direction as well. And there was, remember months ago we were talking about how he was set to be the second biggest babyface on SmackDown after Drew. Well, look how uh, that turned out. I know. Fucking uh, Pat McAfee was a bigger babyface on SmackDown than Ricochet. And I hated Pat when he was on NXT, but now I just can't get enough of him on SmackDown. Uh, I wanted to ask you the thing, you know, because uh, there was a Twitter account called uh, Belt Van Dan who designs belts and also seems to break like certain story regarding whenever a new belt is being designed or a belt's being scrapped. And he says seems to believe that he wouldn't say which belts, but he heard that Triple H is redesigning a certain set of titles. Mm. Some people are like the mid card or tag belts on main roster, even redesigning the world belts because they're unified they're saying they're unifying these belts and also it's a shame to let the uk belt go because they're redesigned belt i think given it's another new era of nxt i think it's the main nxt belts they're talking about because mm. like added the, a lot of our rainbow to like the main nxt belts even though a lot of people were worried by that but you can't really see it unless you zoom 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 mm. right in on the if you shine it in the, if you if you shine it in the proper light, you can see the the rainbow tintedness on the on the men's one for sure. But I think you can see it more on the women's title, given that it's now got a white strap. I mean, I love the white strap on the women's one. To be fair, oh, listen, who doesn't love a white strap on a title? Yeah, am I right? Belts with, belts with white straps are really up there, in my opinion. But yeah, I think it's and you know what? Like- I, I, if we're on the subject of Triple H changing title designs, can we just get the you know? Is that meme? It's like you know. Um, you see one a before and after picture, and the before is like upgrade, and then the next picture is like fuck, go back, like do that for the intercontinental title, bring back the white strapped intercontinental title, and then I'd be a happy man. I think you need some new belts in NXT, kind of symbolise it's a new like phase, like get uh-huh. rid of the NXT one because the brand is effectively over now, and also those belts and NXT. I mean, maybe don't get rid of the North American. North American one can stay, mm-hmm. but the others. Think get rid of them because they've been around since like, like the new version of the tag in uh, 
men's ones were, were introduced in 2017. So it's been a fair while that we've had those designs. I think we're due. Yeah, because the they had to change them all because the the women's one got um, stuff splurged on it. So uh, I think yeah, we've had those belts for you know, a good while now. And it's time for a refresh. So basically, something more fitting for this like new era because, with the exception of like the white strap for the women's belt, looking at the men's empty belt, I've just been looking at like I don't feel like this suits the current 2.0 version of NXT right now. The current version of the men's empty belt. So maybe changing it up again. Oh, uh, I think. Good. I think I think both the the men's and women's titles at the minute are actually fine because if you look at the. The formatting of the letter N, you see, it has that little bit of a dip in the, in, like the new logo does. I think yeah. that I think those are going to be fine. The tag titles, I imagine, would be changed. But then again, uh-huh. it's you want to keep those kind of simple, but a nice, clear-cut design. And the fact that the the men's and women's titles are basically the same, just with different coloured straps to differentiate them, I actually wouldn't change any of the NXT titles. I would change the the main roster tag titles because those red and blue with the silver in the middle, the 10P titles are just, oh, they're just horrid to look at. I, what I would do, I think get new men's and women's like singles belts after the whole unification thing, like set them apart. I think the women's tag belts, keep them as they are. But when you do the unification, I'd say keep the NXT UK designs because I think that's one of the more unique things in the company, and it's people really talk about it because not many people watch NXT UK. But you look at the the NXT UK tag belts; they're not copying any other design that they already have. And also, we make the women's tag belts like rather than that, them being a, a, a basically a white strap version of the men's belts, it makes the women's tag belts their own unique design because you've gotten rid of the the men's version of that same belt and replaced it with this new one, and also keep the North American one because. And then when you introduce these new belts, it means every belt on the brand basically doesn't look the same, which I think was a complaint for a long time with the main roster that basically these are the same designs just with you know interchanging colours. But I, I suppose that was kind of the that's kind of what made it made them worth the same, essentially. Like there was no differentiation to state that, you know, a men's solo wrestler is better than a women's solo wrestler. So give them the same design of championship just differentiate it a little bit just so you know which one belongs to which but they're both world championship material in their own right same with the the tag tag team titles so i really don't see the purpose in trying to change them when you could easily take the designs you have of the nxt uk titles and maybe tweak them slightly to fit more of a, a european vibe because i mean you could have an nxt europe champion maybe you could have an NXT UK champion as the mid-card champion. So you're basically, it's kind of like their equivalent of the United States champion. Uh, and then you've got NXT European tag team champions. I think, along, I think NXT, you, along with a European women's champion. Yeah, just the NXT UK champion on NXT Europe, but he's actually now called the NXT Brexit champion. And he spends two years before he can actually defend uh, his title. Uh, NXT European champion like they could bring back even a new design of the European championship maybe that's what they're referring to as well then Midcard is the NXT as you said NXT Brexit champion <laughs> and then uh, women's and tag titles respectively 
I think we're recklessly speculating here. We're not really going to get any further here. Let's no, this is good. This is, like, this is like the most debate we've had all show. Well, mind you, we've got 20 more matches that Tony Khan's announced <laughs> to talk about in a minute before we end the show. So let's go quickly go back to the card. World's Clyde to get a definitive who you're saying. I'm going with... Uh, I'm going with Nathan Fraser for the Verdon's match. How about you? No, I'll go with Axiom on that one. Uh, I think I already said I'm going with uh, I think I'm going with Gallus for the four way. I'm gonna go with the Creeds again. All right. Uh, I got Chanson Carter for the women's one. Yep, same. Carmelo v Ricochet. I imagine I'd like to see it. I think Carmelo needs it. Mm, could go either way, but yeah, I think Carmelo does does need it more. Uh Triple Threat, I think I've already said for the two women's belt, that I think yeah, Blair yeah. Davenport. We both yeah. said Blair Davenport for that one, yeah. I think we were already div- said how debated we were on this one. I'm going with Tyler, Tyler Bate, Tyler Bate, Tyler, Tyler Bate. <laughs> and I'm going for Braun Breaker with two Ks. I think if uh, if he wins this match, Tyler Bate, and uh, like, becomes new NXT champion, but also effectively ends the UK title, then he will be very fittingly, the first and last NXT UK champion. Bad. And the only two-time NXT UK champion. Sunrise. And I think the only, he'd be the only man to hold both the NXT UK and like the main brand NXT titles as well, like two men's ones. That is if he wins it, yeah. yeah. What record that would uh, be. First and last two-time and first unified NXT NXT UK champion. Uh, let's talk about AEW All Out, shall we? Oh, let's talk about a match. I mean, WWE so stacked lately, I actually almost forgot about AEW. We're recording this on Wednesday, by the way, so a bunch of shit could happen tonight on Dynamite we don't know about. One thing I hope happens tonight that we don't have to talk about right now because it's not been announced yet is we don't know what the world title match is going to be for AEW's. Some would say biggest, some others would say second biggest behind Double or Nothing because Punk Moxley got moved to last week, Moxley squashed. Um, Moxley, Moxley squashed Punk in three minutes so quickly that Eric Bischel didn't have time to come in and say did I just hear someone say three minutes and <laughs> just went basically looked down the camera again broke the fourth wall and said oh I'm sorry is that not how it was supposed to go mm. and plan, the rumours was that it was still the plan for All Out so they could have Punk come back as a stipulation or God knows does he, is it possible they don't even put the world title on All Out can you imagine like, can you imagine if WWE did that? The the internet wrestling community would give them pelters for it, but not hearing any complaints thus far about AEW because it's the alternative. Like, if I looked at that card and I saw there was no world title match, I'd be fuming. Especially when AEW is meant to be this better alternative to uh, Vince's big house of big meaty men slapping meat and stuff. <laughs> oh, I- I mean, what do you make of this whole punk thing? Because the whole stuff with Hangman calling Hangman out when Hangman didn't know about it and the unhappiness with backstage, some people saying with punk, some against them, and yeah. then stuff with Moxley. I think it said it was Moxley's idea to do the short match, which, yeah. I mean, I don't. maybe he was going to skirt around some potential issues, but it does sound funny for a wrestler to say, how about I just win the title very quickly and officially as world champion? Yeah, I'm going to Goldberg this motherfucker here. <laughs> like, uh, um, 
But yeah, apparently Punk's comment, well, Punk's promo rather, about calling out Hangman, apparently it's divided the locker because it was uh, off script. Uh, mm. And definitely the locker room is very much in disarray. And, you know, Tony's not, big Tony's not best pleased with it either. Can that is not Shivani. And uh, yeah, it seems like AEW is a little bit up in the air, especially on when, when they're basically days away from one of their big four pay per views. It's. Uh, mm. You're telling me that Khan has lost the dressing room, basically. Just a little bit, yeah. <laughs> basically, again, like uh, maybe there's there's one more trick to be pulled out that we could be looking back in 24 hours and say, "Well, they they swerved me. I'm I'm looking forward to this now." But like, like you said, this is a very WWE move to like hold off mm. on like the world fucking title match, and maybe it will be Punk Moxley again because they said that's the the plan right now, mm. but. Unlike the only other way I can think of. You remember 2014 Survivor Series? They actually announced two, or it might have been 20, yeah, 2014 Survivor Series. They announced two traditional Survivor Series matches, like on the day itself. Ah, like, I don't know. Remember, like, Hell in a Cell, the one right after, one the same week as Dynamite debut and, like, the Fox debut on SmackDown? They'd only announced four matches for Hell in a Cell and then just dropped a bunch of them on the day off. Yeah. Uh, like the only other way I can see it is like if it leads to a rematch, but this time Punk turns heel, and I'm not the first to say that. All of you have been saying that this is leading to an official Punk heel turn. I think they didn't. They wanted Moxley have a belt going any, any all out, but didn't like him being called the interim champion. More so, basically, to definitively say Moxley is a two time, the first ever two time AEW World Champion. I think mm-hmm. he deserves it, but. What do you think of the idea that they they lead to the rematch? Punk basically challenging him, like you know, like okay, maybe I wasn't ready, but I am now, and then it leads into the match. And a lot of people could be comparing it like they do the pull the trigger on a Punk heel turn in Chicago. A lot of people comparing that to like the decision to turn Austin heel when WrestleMania was being held in Texas. Oh fuck, that's <laughs> that's play with fire right there. But then again, you know, I think Chicago will support CM Punk regardless if he's face or heel because. Remember what he did 11 years ago? It wasn't the first time he beat uh, a John Funny. in Chicago for a world title. I think if anyone can get his own hometown to boo him, it would be Punk. Because mm-hmm. like, I remember like in uh, like a year before he did the pipe bomb, they did a show in Chicago, and everyone cheered and goes, oh, I love Chicago, I love this about Chicago. But the one thing I don't like is the people of Chicago. Boo! And he would just <laughs> boo for the rest of the uh, I'm just looking at the card actually and what on earth are they thinking like they have a casino ladder match with no participants not yeah, announced like, at and least they're well, probably announcing the night but like the whole appeal of like, the ladder match or anything casino based is that you announce a certain number of participants and then have one surprise at the end mm. like because that's and hopefully it's not a new person who's been saying because that's the last thing we fucking need is another signee right now <laughs> and like it's it's almost like like well, now every, at the same recording everybody in the matches wouldn't surprise. So I think they'll announce like five or six people uh, tonight and see. And we got especially the Joker because I'll be honest with you, I prefer the casino ladder match as an idea to the casino battle royal because the casino mm. battle royal, no matter how many times they do it, I still find that close. But because they can never get the cameras in the right place to capture everybody's entrance. Mm. And uh. I'll never say no to watching a ladder match either. Like, it's my favourite stipulation match. 
Yeah, and they've got a history in all out of doing class ladder matches. Of the first ever one, we had Bucks and Lucha Bros. Oh uh, yeah, for the AAA Tag Team Championships. Mm-hmm. Oh, well, God, I remember that. Didn't like, did they do like a destroyer off a, like onto a table off top of a ladder? They did, and even if they hadn't done that, I would still say yes because it sounds like something those four would probably do. Hmm. Before I read out the rest of the card, I want to talk about Contreras running another match on the show. Well, another match that was meant to happen is not happening. Now, Cedric Kingston was just announced he's going to be on the buy-in, or zero hours are calling it, taking on Tomohiro Ishii of New Japan Pro Wrestling, which got me and Grant instantly excited. <laughs> and I believe it's that the uh, put some good matches on the pre-show, because I believe the pre-show will overlap the end of Worlds Collide. I think Worlds Collide is going on a bit earlier, so that people can kind of watch both if they want to. Uh, but it was a nice. It's being said that apparently Kingston was meant to have a match against Sammy Guevara, which kind of leads out of the feud with Jericho, which which Eddie Kingston blatantly went online and said, "I hated the seven months of feuding with Jericho. Didn't like any of the matches because like you had Kingston throw Sammy off blood and guts. You had him had Sammy getting involved in the barbed wire match, costing Kingston the match basically. So it seems natural that would happen, but basically." What happened is, like, Sammy is, like, said to people, this, these are things that, in my personal, I don't want ever mentioned in a promo, like his past relationship with his previous fiance before he got with Ty. And apparently, Eddie Kingston is sensitive about his weight, but didn't tell Sammy, don't mention my weight. So, so Sammy cuts a promo on a recorded rampage to calling Eddie Kingston a fat piece of shit, basically. So Kingston chews him out backstage, and apparently, because Sammy was smiling while he's being chewed and clearly not taking it seriously, Kingston allegedly took a swing at him because of an altercation which led to a two-week suspension for Kingston. And Kingston even came in and said, I acted unprofessionally online, so that's led to the match being cancelled. But Kingston's going to have a hard-time match against Tomohiro Ishii because Kingston has said that he's a big fan of Japanese wrestling and Tomohiro Ishii is the toughest man without a neck that you'll ever meet. I, I mean, I only heard about Eddie Kingston's suspension just recently. Apparently, it was uh, it wasn't like a an immediate announcement per se. But what I respect about him is that he admitted he was in the wrong because he was the one that took a swing at Sammy. Uh, mm. But it's good to see he's back now in action. And I mean, I don't know. Obviously, I'm not a New Japan sort of person, but the way you you were you hyped up about Tomohiro Ishii is so is is how big of a name is he in New Japan? Just for my benefit. I mean, he's a guy who, he's a bit older now, but took him a while to get proper delegation, but like, he took him a while to get proper like, attention, but like, he's basically a guy, whenever they do their big tournaments every year, he's a guy who like goes up against one of the bigger stars and like throws out like a banger or a five-star match. Mm-hmm. He's like a guy who holds like, their tag belts and their never open weight belts, but he's a guy that everybody, who a lot of people who follow him, myself and Grant included, basically like one day, we hold out hope every year, they're going to give Tomohiro a shot at being the world champion, and they never seem to do so. He's always a guy they bring in to have great matches with the world champion. He even uh, got to main event Impact show recently, taking on Josh Alexander for the, the All Impact, right. uh, which if you haven't seen that, I, I recommend sourcing that match. All right, fair enough. Just me, like, you want to talk about, like, meaty men slapping meat? This is the <laughs> answer to meaty men slapping meat, I assure you. Let me read out the uh, the rest of the, the card and we'll, we'll pick out a couple of different matches to talk about and give our thoughts on. 
So we got powerhouse holds against uh, Ricky Starks uh, as a you know tiny partner's falling out. We had Christian Cage taking on Jungle Boy. We had Jake Cargill defending her TBS title against Athena. Uh, Jay Lethal is teaming up with the Motor City Machine Guns to take on Ward and FDR. Pedicle. Brian, Dan- <laughs> Brian Danielson is taking on Lionheart as he's been built for tonight for this night. Mm-hmm. Uh, Keith Lee and Swerve Strickland are going to defend their AW Titan Tales against the Acclaimed because everybody loves the Acclaimed. A four-way match for another interim title. It's in the interim AW Women's title. Britt Baker versus Tony Storm versus Jenny here versus Hikaru Shida. And we're going to have the finals of the AEW Trios title tournament. Now, tonight on Day we're going to have the same one semi-final match of the Elite taking on uh, Will Ospreay and Aussie Open of the United Empire. And on Friday, I believe, the other semi-final match we'll be having is Dark Order, Alex Reynolds, John Silver, and number 10 taking on Best Friends and Orange Cassidy. And I think it's... it's I'd have to, I'd bet, I easily bet my money on even before I've seen the semis, but I think given Hangman's been in Dark Order's corner, and they kind of got what, what felt like an upset win over House of Black. But the finals are going to be Dark Order versus Elite. Oh my god, can you imagine if the Dark Order wins the Trios Championships? Uh, I mean, they, they said that like, it was reported that Tony Khan held off on the Trios belts until Kenny Omega was ready to come back. And I like, even though Kenny's struggling still with injuries, he's seemingly like being put in this pro- in this uh, prolonged trios program so that he can literally hide some of these potential like, things that are still bothering him. And uh, I think they even I don't know where it was reported. I think it was basically what we all thought that unfortunately due to two out of three of them being medically unclear, the original final I believe was supposed to be elite versus undisputed elite. Yeah, but bloody injuries. I do believe it's going to be Kenny and Hangman, Kenny and the Bucks winning. Hangman will be we consoling the Dark Order. Will do like a brief like handshake and and basically like they're not getting back together, but they are like they have made amends somewhat. And then naturally, maybe even build it to full gear where you can do a uh, undisputed elite versus elite. Because I think that's you know, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if they didn't book a uh, a, a world title match and decide not to go that route bizarrely. Like I would, I could even see them main eventing all out with the trios tournament because Kenny Omega's involved. I think that's the plan. Yeah, the the final is going to be at all out. The the two semis are on Dynamite and Rampage this week. Yeah, yeah, like, I know it's at all out, but like I'm saying that if they wanted to, with or without the world title, I think maybe they would have considered doing it if Adam Cole and that were still healthy. But mm-hmm. because it's a different Kenny being back first pay since Kenny's came back first pay match since he lost to Hangman at Full Gear last year. I, I could even see them deciding, like, a rare thing for AEW not to put the, the title on last, unless it's, like, a special stipulation match. But, mm-hmm. you know, not putting the title on last and instead maybe adding some legitimacy to these new trio belts and making them the main event would have been cool. Yeah, that makes sense. Mm. Yeah. You want to talk about controversy? Like, so many matches on the show have a bit of controversy behind them, but, like, the women's title match. All right, so the story goes... Thunder Rosa, who's still technically a champion, even though she's injured, it's maybe a back injury apparently, uh, is not very well liked backstage. First, there was the whole she may or may not have sandbagged, but she definitely did sandbag Marina Shafir in a match, which led them to jokingly bring out a sandbagging t shirt, which is like, oh, so you're making money off the fact that you were unprofessional. Then apparently, she broke Jamie Hater's nose in a match, 
and she was so worried about getting her arse kicked as you know repercussions and everything that apparently Thunder Rosa hid in the bathroom rather than getting beaten up by Burt Baker and Jamie Hayter. And now this interim four ways when when originally the plan was made Thunder Rosa v Tony Storm with Tony Storm winning uh, the title. I think she's still going to win it here. I'm, li- I'm glad to see you, Kara. She did get involved. You know, people remember that she still exists. But now, Dave, I don't know if you, how, what you think of this, but some conspiracy theories are going around there that Thunder Rosa isn't even injured at all mm. and that she's taken off the card to let some of the heat die down. This is definitely a weird one. Like, it's just a mishmash of conflicting rumours. You know, is she injured? Is she not injured? Is she rubbing people the wrong way or not? It's... I'm not really sure what to make of this, but the fact that we're already getting another interim champion, I think it just further highlights how much disarray AEW backstage is at the minute. It's ugh, it's not the way I'd like to have seen it happen, but, you know, it is what it is, I guess. I have a feeling all out it's going to be a solid car, I think, from an in-ring perspective. I think coming out of it and looking back on it in a couple of years' time, a lot of people are going to say, like, it was good, the matches were good, but most interesting thing about All Out was the road to get to All Out. Mm. I think, yeah, but I think there's so much going on this weekend, you might actually think that AEW actually gets lost in the shuffle a little bit because you've got, everybody's talking about Clash at the Castle on Saturday and then you've got Worlds Collide being announced last week uh, to basically counter-program AEW a little bit. So it's, uh, it's uh, it's definitely going to be a, a loaded weekend, that's for sure. But I think all eyes are going to be on Clash at the Castle, for sure. Basically a Sunday edition of the Wednesday Night Wars, basically. But now, now it looks like NXT finally has a fighting chance after they lost yeah. for so many. And, and, a main apparently- roster, and a main roster stadium pay-per-view is getting Triple H booking, which I imagine is going to be similar to what we see at NXT TakeOvers. So apparently at some point in October... Uh, you have to move to a Tuesday for one week because of some basketball thing. So we're going to have the Wednesday Night Wars again, but this time on a Tuesday. <laughs> so the war is never going to end, apparently, between these two companies. But looking at this for, I think Tony's still going to win. Mm-hmm. But and the match with with Alan Rose, I think it's still funny that on the same show that Don Moxley basically ended the whole interim world champion thing, they announced, oh yeah, but now we're going to have another interim champion. And I don't know if you've seen the meme out there for some people who probably don't think that she's injured. Somebody put Thunder Rose's face on Shawn Michaels from that. I've yeah. lost my promo. Or, or I think she gave Shawn, they gave Shawn Michaels the Rose's face paint. Yeah. Yeah, I've but, seen that. Like the whole thing about her supposedly hiding in a bathroom to stop her because she was worried she was going to get her arse kicked after she broke Jamie Hayter's nose. Put Thunder Rose's face over Homer Simpson hiding in a bathroom from episode. <laughs> <laughs> uh, again, there's some still matches like you can tell are going to be still from an in-ring perspective. You got, you know, what what should be called the custody of Garcia match between Brian <laughs> and Daniel Jericho because they argue is Daniel Garcia going to admit he's a wrestler? Is he going to stay a sports entertainer? Or, I mean, I don't like Jericho currently, but he had one of his best lines he's ever done in a promo in like a good long while. We called Daniel Garcia the best technical sports entertainer in the world. Mad. But you know, that's WWE living in their heads rent free, you know? Mm hmm. Whereas WWE's only made a handful of AEW references ever since they launched. But then again, I suppose that was just keeping up with the times. Mm hmm. Probably. Uh, 
I mean, this feels weird because I remember hearing rumors of this being an out, this going to be happening at all out. And it does feel like a match you'd find on a WWE pay per view. But weirdly, like they did this match on like TV, but they never did this on a WWE pay per view. But it know, was the very I, first. It was the very first NXT match as well on the game show format. And ironically, now it's happening on pay per view on a pay per view it's being going up against an NXT show. Mm. That's all right. Twenty twenty two is the weirdest year on record. I'm. But not even 2020, with all the I cinematic mean, matches. I mean, I say, I mean, 2022 saw the saw Vince McMahon willingly step down. Yeah, that does, say, take the, that does take the biscuit on a lot of things. I say willingly in the loosest of terms. I'm pretty sure, you know, that this this investigation helped nice that along, but still, I certainly wouldn't uh, want to be his financial advisor. No, no, we saved that for Andy Mitchell. <laughs> I still think it'll be great for him to bring productive in. I know like Ross has been exploring about a few other people have so a valid idea of like bringing these people from other promotions as well as good as it is to see our promotional matches, it does mean that other people get lost in the shuffle. And I still I still believe that. Having said that, I am psyched as all hell to see the more side machine guns and FTR in the same fucking match. Mm. That is that potentially could be a show stealer. The six pair, the six man tag. No, I would even like. I, I would, part of me would rather they just put Wardlow and and Jay Lethal in a separate match and let Machine Guns on FTR just give them thirty minutes, let them do whatever they want for all however many belts they want to fight for. They've already got that, like this will be. They've already got ten matches on the card. It's like, do they really need any more? Especially when I you've got Jungle Boy Christian Cage on the undercard. I don't care. How do I see more Motor Machine Guns v FTR and? You know, Jay Lethal's team should basically be called 2007 X Division. <laughs> and funny enough, I think because of what side they're on, for one night only, they're they're in AEW. And uh, for the first time I leave since like 2010, Machine Guns are playing the bad guys because I think X last year they turned face in 2010 just before they won the the tag titles for the first time. And I think they've remained he- face while a tag team. I mean, Chris Saban said had a brief run as a heel when he was a face. When he was like on his own, but you know, as a team, they've remained like good guys because of how popular they are. But I, I think it'll be a hell of a show and a Wardle team out with FTR again. Although it is a shame because this now means that this is the fourth pay per view that the team TL hasn't been on the line. That it was last defended at All Out last year. Crazy. It's like, and Clash at the Castle will be the first time since. WrestleMania 37, that the Intercontinental title has been defended on pay-per-view. What's Not WrestleMania 38, 37. No. Yeah, 37, fucking. Uh, yeah, the year before. XC Champion wasn't even on WrestleMania 30, he was on the SmackDown before them. <laughs> Jesus. But, like, looking at this match, you know, looking at the TNT title, fucking, it was Miro that was the champion at last year's all out ass so yeah, the minute he lost that belt that's when the TNT title went to shit mm-hmm. and the last intercontinental title was Big E versus Apollo Crews in the Nigerian drum fight which essentially was a, a street fight with the Nigerian flag on the on the barrier they had some drums I, for know? like two seconds like you just threw, you just threw Big E into a pile of them and that was it they were still there they, were, they had a presence they don't have to have a large presence, but if they have a presence, that means it's not false advertising. <laughs> Standards and practices. Oh, gosh. But looking at the uh, another match here, the, uh, the casino ladder match, 
do we want to do some more reckless speculation and uh, and try and guess who they're going to actually put in this match? Because so, I can see Mito and Malachi lacking your Darby Allens, those kind of people well, being put into... I, I don't know about Malachi. I think because uh, he's obviously been dealing with a back injury as of late. But I don't know if how, how true those rumours are. So who would, uh, who would you like to see in this match? Uh, I think two names that come to my head almost immediately are Darby Allen and Brody King. Mm. Yeah, keep that feud going. Mm-hmm. You know, fill some spots out. Uh, who else is there? Um, ooh, let me see. Uh, possibly Scorpio Sky? He's been MIA for some time. Yeah, yeah. I, th- I see even put Ethan Page as well because these two basically ended their whole association together. So yeah, put them put them both in this in this ladder match and let them like, actually fight each other. Hell, you know what? Like you think he's too good to be like just standing in the corner for Dark Order? I can put Hangman in this match. Why not? Yeah, give him some to do. Let him actually get earn his rematch, and also he's already won like a version of this ladder match before, so. Make it brass, a is, that the, is that the brass ring ladder match? No, no, he won this ladder match. They had a version of it on Dynamite. That's how he earned his match at Full Gear against Kenny. Oh, and he's see, also right. won the Battle Royal version of this as well in like 2019. So he's already he's done it before. I mean, talk about the brass ring one. I think Scorpio Sky's won the brass, wing, brass ring ladder match before. He has, yeah. Wardlow's won on. the brass ring one as well. Yeah. Ironically, even Page made his debut in that type match as well. So. It all fits in, but yeah, Hangman deserves a lot more. As opposed to, and also wondering who they could like, then bring in. Like, oh, by the way, Joker, surprise! Like, I don't even fucking know. No, I don't know who should be. Who should they bring back? Because he's not been on AEW TV in a long time. And he recently jumped over to New Japan for the G1, proved how good he actually is. But make the surprise Lance Archer, because Lance Archer has been criminally lost in the shuffle in AEW. Oh, he has. Yeah, I actually forgot he was still signed with them. I know. See, that's how well, bad it is. Yeah, I mean, a bit of a stretch, but he has. Braun Strowman's actually been in talks with WWE about re-signing as well. But I mean, who knows? What if he, what if he miraculously jumped ship to AEW for some reason? I would. Because you know, be... I mean, talk about controlling your narrative. If that were to happen, <laughs> I if I see saw Braun Strowman show up in AEW, I would be thoroughly whelmed uh, by that. <laughs> <laughs> Country boy yeah. Adam Share is all elite. I really don't give a shit about Adam Share anymore, honestly, especially since he joined that control your narrative bollocks. I, I would like <laughs> to see Bron- I, the, the word of a lie, I would like to see big Adam Share, Braun Strowman back in WWE because he just got miraculously released with no prior warning following uh, Backlash 21. I know. I think. I think WWE is the best company for him. It's the best for like his style, I think. Uh huh. And someone his size as well. You know, he's got that commanding, towering presence about him, but also a good combination of strength and agility, for especially for a man his size. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, we've went fairly long already, so let's just go through the rest of this card. Uh, no point in guessing who's going to win the casino ladder match because they don't know who's even in it. But go through these matches. Give me your uh, who you think is going to win. Ishii versus Eddie Kingston. Ishii. Interesting. I I think I still think it's gonna be. I mean, it could be. He's coming off his suspension. Do you want to give him a one when he comes back, or is he still kind of in the dog I don't know. Mm-hmm. I'm, I don't want to go against Ishii. I love the guy, but 
And there you go, Kingston. Uh, Jungle Boy v Christian Cage. Jungle Boy. I can hope it's Jungle Boy's on my draft team. Yeah. Uh, He's in my Rickie, league team as well. Ricky Stark versus Powerhouse Hobbs. Uh, couldn't give a fuck, to be honest. I'll just go with Hobbs. <laughs> oh, yeah. I think Hobbs will win this one, but Stark will eventually get his win back because I love Ricky Stark. This is an interesting one. Jake Gargill still undefeated. I think it hasn't done much since he actually debuted for AEW a couple months ago. Mm. Nothing. Does the streak end here, or will Athena be another victim? I mean, story of Athena's life is that, you know, returns and then does fuck all for a good while, but um, I wouldn't be surprised if there was an upset, but I'd be leaning more towards Jade Cargill for this one. I think they want this to be a talked about show just because of how weird it's, the road has been to get here. Mm. I'm very cautiously going to go with Athena. Also, have you heard that she's not calling it the Eclipse anymore? It's now called the O-Face. The wine lover. No, it's called the O-Face. Oh. Yeah. Missed, missed chance to call it the wine lover. Only to you. Geo Lethal and the Morse Machine Guns versus the Pinnacle, Wardlow and FTR. Pinnacle. Yeah, yeah, it's got to be the Pinnacle. Right. Who, gave, who really loved... Uh, Daniel Garcia more. Daniel Center Jericho. Uh, Jericho. Ooh, I'm going to go Danielson. Okay. Okay. EW tag titles. Swerve in our glory versus the acclaimed. Swerve in our glory. I would, I would love it to be the acclaimed, but yeah, it's going to be Swerve in our glory. No one's taking the EW tag belts until left. I finally get their shot. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm, I, say, I say they're probably going to set the course here with this four-way, and I think they're going to give it to Tony Storm. I will go with Tony Storm as well. And I think, is it inevitable, given also the rumours that they wanted to hold off until he got back there and do some Kevin uh, mm. Fox winning the trios belt? I would go. Well, I would be very confident with that, because they're going up against either Dark Order or Best Friends, which doesn't exactly a scream final match, more like a semi-final. Like, when I saw that the Elite versus United Empire, that felt more like a final rather than a semi-final. Uh-huh. Uh, I think Best Friends actually wouldn't, as much as, as predictable as it still would be, I think it would make a bit more sense because Best Friends, even though it took away for Cassidy, probably sing with AEW, uh, like Best Friends have been like a staple of AEW like, since the beginning, like they were on the first pay-per-view and mm-hmm. a tag match. So, yeah, like two two trios that are kind of like become stables of AEW fighting for the trios belts. I wouldn't be against, uh, I wouldn't be against that. And, uh, well, we could predict what's going to happen with the world title, but we don't fucking know what time we're going to happen. Awkward. We, we're, we know about as much as you probably do. And by that, I mean, unless you've watched Dynamite by, by now, by, as unless you've watched Dynamite by the time you listen to this. So if you're, if you've already watched Dynamite, you're, you know more than we do right now. It's weird for you to be more informed than us when we were one recording a news show, but as is the the, the issues with taping stuff in advance. Mm. Oh, but that is a big weekend of wrestling, and I believe that next week central will probably just us talking about all the thoughts and all the major moments and some questionable decisions on either side that may or may not be made after. Everything goes down. I'll be trying to deal with all the fallout, where it's all going to go. 
who fucking knows? Mm. But it's one of the biggest. I think it'll end up going down as one of the biggest weekends in wrestling in a long time. In UK wrestling, especially. Yes, we we had such a crazy weekend of wrestling. We didn't even have time to talk about ICW's big show around the night of Clash at the Castle. And I'm sure all three of you are disappointed that we didn't talk about it. Bad. Anyway. Ah, well. In the meantime, you can keep up with what's occurring with uh, everyone here at ESSR on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, at Superx. We keep joining our ESSR community page, keep up with uh, the Clash of the Castle and everything. We may put some, uh, put some stuff in the community page after the weekend's gone down, asking you your thoughts and what your favorite matches might have been coming out of those shows. Uh, also, you can keep up with, with Central next week and this week. Every other episode of Central, along with our feature shows, our episode Saturday Night Live, East Meets West, and everything else we've got going on on Anchor, Spotify, iTunes, Google Podcasts, Podbean, wherever you get your podcasts from. Please give us a like, rating, review on your chosen platform. We'd really, really, really appreciate it. And we've got some decent uh, shows coming up in the future catalog. Uh, we've got some new ideas trying out in the next few weeks. Some ideas that you already know, but we're trying them in audio form. We've already done quite a showdown. We're potentially uh, looking to try book it in an audio format. And we've also, in a few weeks' time, the debating chamber will make its grand return because everybody loves a good old row in the debating chamber. Yeah, that right we do. But thank you, David Hockney, you know, for the first time in a while, mm-hmm. uh, coming on Central stepping in where Ross has failed. And, you know, most of all, enjoy your time in Cardiff. Yep. I Next time you hear from me, I'll probably be at Clash at the Castle, and I will let you know how it all goes. Uh, well, I'll know how it all went, because I'll watch it on TV, Clash at the mm. Castle, then. Oh, but you won't experience the, the pageantry and the atmosphere of it. Like, 70,000 people in Principality screaming their nuts off when Drew, hopefully, becomes undisputed Universal WWE Champion. I'll experience it in my own way. I'll turn the volume up really, really loud. Because fuck my neighbours. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> I've been your host uh, for this episode of Central. Look forward to all the fallout next week on Central. It should be yet another big one. Thank you, everyone. Bye-bye. See ya.